Grace, mercy, and peace be to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our text for today is taken from the Gospel reading in Mark chapter 1, and we're going to focus on these words. Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord and make his path straight. Brothers and sisters in Christ, is there some place that you could think of that you wouldn't be caught dead in? Some place so terrible, so blisteringly hot or numbingly cold that you couldn't be persuaded to go for a million dollars? It sounds a little trivial, I suppose, but I bet if you were pressed, you could come up with such a place. Maybe it's a line in the post office or the BMV or the doctor's office. Maybe, maybe it's something a little bit more personal. Maybe the home of that relative that you never got along with and that you haven't spoken to in years. Maybe it's the thought of traveling to one of those impoverished uh, or war-ravaged countries around the globe that would fill you with a sense of dread and you wouldn't want to be caught there. For many place, or for, for many people, one very difficult place to be, I'd imagine, is in a funeral home. We all know that it's a necessary place to gather as at the death of a friend or a loved one to make arrangements, to pay respects, but no matter how nice a place it is or how well done the decorations are, they can never truly hide their, the reason for their existence, that is to prepare the dead for their final resting place. It's kind of like putting lipstick on a pig. That, I believe, sums up a funeral home. It's a pleasant building that tries to soften the blow of, unpleasant, of an unpleasant reality. A funeral home may be just that place where you wouldn't want to be caught dead in if you were living. But that's the irony of it, isn't it? It'll be the exact place that you will, uh, you will be caught in when you are dead. All of us alike, whether we like it or not. You know, the Jews in, in Jesus' day, they had a, a special place for where the dead go. It wasn't funeral home. And you're going to hear a lot during the Advent season. They called this place the wilderness. The wilderness was the area outside the royal city of Jerusalem where the, where the waste was tossed. The unworthy and the unclean were, were cast out. And those who worked in professions to undignified or ritually impure were practiced. The wilderness was a hard place without the security of the city walls to protect you. It was a place of exile and it was a place of death. In other words, it was a place that no self-respecting Jew would go except merely to pass through and with all proper precautions taken, of course. It's fascinating then that throughout the, the narrative of the scriptures, God so often calls his people out into the wilderness, as we see in today's gospel. But Before we get to the person and the work of John the Baptist, let's take a look at the Old Testament for a moment. You know, when Abraham and Sarah sent Hagar and her son Ishmael into the wilderness, the Lord carried them safely to Paran, where he gave Ishmael a wife and made good on his promise to make him a great nation. Later in Israel's history, the Lord preserved his people for 40 years in the wilderness before bringing them to the land that he had promised them. In both instances, entering the wilderness meant leaving life as they knew it behind and trusting entirely on the Lord to carry out his plan according to his good purpose. 
you know, the absence of security and civility, they taught Hagar, Ishmael, and the people of Israel to rely wholly on their God. So the wilderness is a transformative place also, according to the scriptures, where God leads his people there. He is working to bring about a great change and uh, make his act of rescue known. And so then when we come to our gospel reading for today, you might understand why the eyebrows of many keen-eyed Hebrew were raised when they saw the son of a priest, a descendant of the line of Aaron, beginning to preach not in the temple at Jerusalem, but in the wilderness outside the city. So what exactly is it that this exiled priest had to proclaim? Well, John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism for repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And also he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Baptism, the forgiveness of sins, the coming of one who could only be identified as the promised Messiah. These things, once again, came to God's people, not in temples made by hands, as the scriptures say, but instead in the wilderness. In the place that no self-respecting Jew would want to go, into that place of exile and death. And it's there, in that place, where God works his miracle of salvation. And so, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, though we are listening most likely from the comfort of your homes, we, all of us, are wandering in a wilderness of our own making. A wilderness of sin which would have us separated from our God and trapped in the peril of death. After all, what king of creation would be caught dead in this place? What self-respecting Lord of heaven and earth would willingly step down from his throne on high to enter into such a, a wilderness as this? We'll hear again the prophecy of Isaiah, echoed in the voice of John the baptizer, the voice of one crying, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Jesus Christ, God made flesh, was the one whom John proclaimed, the one who came down from heaven and into our wilderness to take on our earthly estate, our lowliness, our affliction, our sickness, our exile, and yes, even our death. Christ coming into our world of sin has once again shown God bringing forth great change for his people in the midst of the most unlikely places. For here is where Christ comes, bringing with him the glad tidings of our salvation. Had the King of glory remained in his heavenly dwelling, or had he come to live in the splendid halls of the royal city, the gate would have remained closed between him and us, the gate which separates those in the inside from those in the wilderness, and even the gates of death and hell. But by coming down from heaven into our wilderness, Jesus has done more than merely make himself an exile. He has burst open the gate and let those who were once exiled into his dwelling place. You and, and me and all who have received his baptism for the forgiveness of sins now have the right to be called sons of God, no longer outcasts, unclean or unworthy. 
as we pilgrimage through this wilderness, well, it's not alone, nor is it without destination. For our God has called us to follow Christ into paradise. Along the way, he teaches us, as he taught Hagar and Ishmael and the people of Israel, to trust in him for every good thing. Emmanuel is with us in the wilderness. He has gone where those dead to sin have gone, providing us with our daily bread and offering up the forgiveness of our sins in his absolution, in holy baptism, and in his wonderful supper. He has come into our place of death, not to cover it up with flowery words and false niceties and put lipstick on a pig. No, he has come to give us new life. And on the last day, he will enter in bodily once more to remake this wilderness into a garden where he will dwell with us and us with him forever. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.